It is important for an individual to recognize the sin nature, our inability to bring reformation. I'm not saying that we shouldn't strive to walk in fellowship with the Lord, but it is a battle that is beyond us. It's a battle that it took Christ to win. We don't need reformation. We need transformation. And I realize that when I have these battles, these struggles, that the closer I stay to Jesus, the closer I stay in the Lord's Word, the better I walk in this life. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. You can find your places in the Word of God. We're looking at Romans chapter 7 today, looking at verses 13 through 25, picking up the second half of this chapter. And today we're going to look at a message, Who Will Deliver Me? And we find in verses 13 through 17 that we've been sold under sin. Verses 18 through 20, that in us nothing good dwells. And in verses 21 through 25, the question, Who Will Deliver Me? Verses 19 through 20, Paul again discovers the good that I will to do, the struggle that he has. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Paul simply, I believe, acknowledging this continual battle within his flesh, this struggle that he had between knowing what he desired to do, how to walk for the Lord, the good that he desired to do, but discovering that he ends up not doing those good things, ends up actually practicing the things that he wills not to do. As I was looking into the Greek words on that which I will to do, the Greek word translated as to do there in verse 19, and then the Greek word translated as practice at the end of verse 19, we find that there are two different Greek words used there. The word for to do, poio, is the Greek word. It means to do, but it often means applied to a thing once for all, uh, producing something tangible. It almost gave me this idea of I got this idea of I need to do one good thing, and I'm striving to do this one good thing, producing one tangible thing with my life, we might say. 
a thing once for all, the meaning of that Greek word poio. But the word translated as to practice, it refers to that which we do repeatedly or habitually. And like Paul, we've also found ourselves in a similar struggle, having this desire to do what is right, but unable to perform it, while at the same time we find ourselves practicing almost habitually the things that we desire not to do. It is important for an individual to recognize the sin nature, our inability to bring reformation. I'm not saying that we shouldn't strive to walk in fellowship with the Lord, but it is a battle that is beyond us. It's a battle that it took Christ to win. We don't need reformation. We need transformation. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. And I realize that when I have these battles, these struggles, that the closer I stay to Jesus, the closer I stay in the Lord's word, the better I walk in this life. The better I end up being and becoming. <laughs> you guys only see the old man version of Pastor John. In a sense, you've seen what the Lord has brought me to and what I have become at this point in my life. You didn't get, not everyone, Lily is the one that can take it back the furthest here. She saw the young boy, 16 years old, and she's watched me go through these things. But I've discovered that staying close to Christ, and that's a, a thing that I, I feel like on WLGS, I've been maybe, I've found a hobby horse. Pastor Chuck warned against hobby horses of uh, doing topical messages, and that's one of his desires to teach through the Word of God was that it keeps you away from hobby horses. Well, I've discovered that I got on this little tangent, not a tangible thing, just a tangent, on the radio in the mornings, I'm talking about the importance of being part of church, and I encourage our listeners, especially on Thursdays, this week on my Friday show, that if you have a church home, be in church this coming weekend. If you don't have a church home, come and join us. But if you have an established church home, be in church. I find that in fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ, as we walk together in this life, as I continue to expose myself to the truth of God's word, as I open up scripture, not only on a Sunday, but throughout the week, as I'm in fellowship, as I'm in prayer, the Lord helps me to become more of what I desire and believe that the Lord would have me to be. But if I were to strip myself away from all these positive things, from the Lord's word, from the teaching and expounding of the Lord's Word from Christian music. If I would just say, you know what, that's it. I'm done with church. I'm not going anymore. And there are a group within the church today that they describe themselves as believers in Jesus Christ, but they are termed as the duns. They're done with established worship. They're finished with it. So they sit at home and they cruise the internet talk to other Christians, and that's their church. I think the capability of the internet and the resources that we can have there as believers are wonderful, but it does not replace human contact, 
fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, the building up of one another. We have to abide, not just abiding with one another. If we're just about abiding with one another, then Calvary Chapel Lake Villa is a club. But if we're abiding with one another and Jesus Christ, then we discover that without the Lord we can do nothing. So realizing that in our flesh nothing good dwells, it helps to point us to Jesus. And finally, in verses 21 through 25, who will deliver me? Paul first talks about a law. In verses 21 and 22, he says, I find then a law that evil is present within me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. This law is actually in the Greek, it's the same Greek word that is translated as law, referring to God's law, but this is not what he's referring to here. It perhaps could be better translated as, I find a principle. Uh, Numos is the Greek word. It could be translated as law, rule, or principle. And this law is not referring to the Mosaic law. It's not referring to the Ten Commandments. It's referring to this principle that he discovered as he strived to live according to God's law. This principle refers to the evil that coexists within us. The psalmist in Psalm 119, 133 says, Direct my steps by your word. Let no iniquity have dominion over me. See, the psalmist there in 119, he realized that it's an issue of dominion. And that's what Paul is saying here in our text back in Romans 6, 14. Let not sin have dominion over you. And Paul said that in me, evil is present. It's a Greek word that speaks about to lie beside, to be near, or to be at hand. But there in Romans six fourteen, sin shall not have dominion over you. You are not under the law, but under grace. And to help battle the evil that is near or within, Paul delighted in the law of God, according to the inward man. And I think, again, there is where we need to battle. Several years ago, one of the brothers who's no longer attending this church, he was out in front of the church and talking to me, and he goes, you know, I'm having problems sleeping at night. I'm having these weird dreams, just really struggling. And I said, really? I said, what are you watching on TV before you go to bed at night? And he listed off a bunch of occultic TV shows, demons, devils, witches, all these things. I just said, stop watching those things. And maybe you'll sleep better at night. Sometimes the answer is pretty simple. It's what we're consuming, whether we're consuming with our eyes, with our reading, our minds, Listening to musically the things that we are consuming, it's either drawing us closer to Christ or it's drawing us further away from Christ. And so in order for that inward man that Paul said he delighted in the law of God according to the inward man, to help that inward man delight in the law of the Lord, we have to, as it says in Psalm chapter 1, verse 2, we have to meditate upon the law of God day and night. We have to put... God's word in us, and we have to conduct ourselves in such way. It is a discipline, but it's a spiritual discipline of 
striving to do what is right and putting good things before our eyes. To delight, here it speaks about having pleasure or desire or longing and a godly person's delight in the law of God is seen by their meditating on the word of God. He says meditating in Psalm 1 verse 2, meditating on the word of God day and night. My dad's friend, pretty successful man, builder, but he only had a third grade education. Because he only had a third grade education, he never learned to read or never learned to read very well. But he learned that he could listen. And so for my dad's friend, it goes back a ways. They had these little things that were plastic and they had these little wheels and a tape on them called a cassette tape. And he would listen to the word of God. When he'd go to bed at night, he'd put headphones on not to disturb his wife. But that's how he went to sleep every night, just listening to the Word of God. Now, I heard this several years ago from a Calvary Chapel pastor at a pastor's conference out in California, and he was saying that he became very unsettled, and he was just having this struggle, and he couldn't quite figure out why, and all he did was the same thing, just modernized. It was, you know, and... Maybe it was an iPod or it could be an iPad or any kind of method of delivery, but it was the same thing. He started listening to God's word at night as he was going to sleep, and it settled his spirit. I think sometimes we need to meditate upon the word of God day and night. The Hebrew word for meditate could be translated as moan or to mutter. I hear him when I'm doing the editing for my teachings on our radio station, I hear that little little rumble in my throat sometimes. I give out while I'm thinking of the next word I want to say. But it's kind of thinking about the Word of God, the Word in our mind throughout the day as we fall asleep at night. Uh, the psalmist in 119.11, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And hiding the Word of God in our hearts works to purify the inward man, the inward person, from the inside out. It's not reformation. It's not so much what happens from the outside, although the things that we do on the outside impact what's happening on the inside. But we still need that transformation from the inside out. We need the washing of the water of God's word in our lives. And so he says in verse 23, I see another law. Paul writes, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. This other law, Paul wars against that which he delights, the law of God. He finds this struggle. He delights in the law of God, but there's this battle going on. This other law attempts to bring him into the captivity of the law of sin, but we have been freed sin is no longer to have dominion over us. And as believers, these are very real battles that play out in our daily lives. I found that, again, when I put what is right, what is good, what is true before my eyes, my spirit gains victory. On the other hand, if I would go about putting that which is, let's reverse the words of good, right, and true, if I put what is evil, wrong, and false before my eyes, my flesh will gain victory. It's just, it's how it is. It's kind of like 
what you feed your flesh physically. We know that if uh, we do a diet of junk food, our bodies are going to get pretty junky. They're not going to do well on a diet of junk food. But if we do a diet of uh, good foods, everyone has that opinion of what is good. Healthy foods, our bodies will function better. They will do better. It's a matter of putting off and putting on. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed by the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And as believers, our victory is found through the work of Jesus Christ. It's his death, burial, and resurrection. And it is through faith in him that we have been saved and we obtain victory over our flesh. But still, as believers in Jesus Christ, we still have this responsibility of putting off that former conduct and putting on the new man, the one that has been renewed. We are, as Paul would write in Galatians 5, 16 through 18, to walk in the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lust against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so he cries out. He realizes the struggle. And I think sometimes... We need to get to that point of crying out. Maybe as mature believers in Jesus Christ, we think that we got this struggle figured out. And, and we got it figured out. And yesterday evening at the men's retreat, I was just personally reminded of the number of times that as a young man, I realized I, I don't have this figured out. And I cried out to the Lord, I believe a lot more then than I do now. And I think that's to my hurt and to my shame. Paul cries out in verses 24 through 25 to finish out the chapter. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh... The law of sin, that, that is a tough verse there. But he is going to go into that as we get into Romans chapter 8. Remember, chapter breaks have been inserted for us. Paul didn't write Romans and stop at verse 25, I'm assuming. Stop right there and think, I'll have to think about the next chapter. What do I want chapter 8 to be? Like we might write a book today. I write a book, I, I do that thought. I think of chapter to chapter and tying one chapter to the next chapter. But this was a letter that was flowing continually. And we'll get into that in Romans chapter 8. But first, before we close out today, he cries out, Oh, wretched man that I am. In Romans 8.3, he says, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And though we battle between the Spirit and the flesh, as believers, our victory 
First and foremost, it comes through the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has won the victory for us. But here's the unique thing that I have discovered. And it happened as I was reading through Exodus and taking us back to Exodus 23, 29 through 30. When the Lord brought the children of Israel, finally brought them into the promised land, he had given this promise through Moses in Exodus 23, 29 through 30. He said, I will not drive them out, talking about their enemy. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherited the land. At that time, the children of Israel, their population was too small. When they entered into the promised land, their population was too small to actually occupy all of the promised land. And so God said, I won't drive your enemy out in one year. Otherwise, the place would become desolate. They wouldn't be able to keep up with the cities, the farmland, the fields, and the wild animals would begin to take over and to rule in that area again. But I'll allow it to happen. I'll drive them out little by little. As your numbers increase, as you increase in strength, you will drive the enemy out before you. Now, I believe that there is a similarity that we can find in our Christian walk. I believe that God can take and transform us, and he does. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are transformed the moment we are saved, but we still have the flesh to deal with. And there are some things in our flesh that I believe God just, out of his grace, he takes away. There are some people that struggle with addictions. And there are those who can fight through the addiction until they are clean and free from it. There are others that as hard as they try, they will never find success. And I believe for some, Jesus says, you know what? That's one that you will never gain victory of apart from me. So I'm going to do that one for you. I'm going to free you from that. I'm going to take away that desire from you that you will never have to go down that path again. But there's others that the Lord... He allows us to work through the process. And here's what I believe, the reason he does that. Because as we work through the process, we strengthen our walk and relationship with the Lord. In a sense, we begin to build our spiritual muscle. And a believer's path is forged through obedience. And therefore, with our minds, we serve the law of God. While we are being conformed into the image of Christ, while we're building our spiritual muscle, while the Lord is allowing us little by little to gain victory, that the person you see before you now in this pulpit, I am not that 16-year-old boy that Lily met in high school many years ago. The Lord has done and work in me, and I can tell you at 16 years old, I never once in my life imagined being a pastor. This was not on my bucket list. Well, before I die, I want to be a preacher like my dad. Not on the list. But at 16 years old, I had a heart to serve Jesus. I wasn't always successful at it, but I had a heart to serve Jesus. And in the process of striving to serve Jesus, the Lord, little by little, 
He worked out some of those issues in my life, but also, little by little, he revealed his plan for my life as well. Realize that it is only Jesus who can deliver us from this body of sin and death. He didn't deliver us just to leave us the way he found us. He delivered us to transform us into his glorious image. Absolutely, the true transformation will be when we are no longer bound by this body of flesh and we are standing in the glorious presence of Jesus. But there's still a transformation work that God has for each of us, that he might transform us into his image, that he might use us in this world that we live in today. As believers in Jesus Christ, we know, Lord, that we are a work in progress. And Father, maybe today you're just reminding us, remember when you were a new believer, when you first met me as Savior, remember how you cried out to me. Today, Lord, perhaps you want us to cry out in a similar way in these battles that we face. May your spirit work in our midst. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.